We are in Yevamos Tzadi Aleph, Omer Aleph, 91a, towards the bottom. And we are beginning to discuss the second half of the Mishnah. So again, a quick review. The first half of the Mishnah discussed the case where the rabbis allowed a certain leniency. They said that if there's one witness who says that uh, the husband passed away, so then we will allow the wife to get married on the condition, even though we generally require two witnesses, but we will require her to really look into the matter, and then she could go ahead and get married. And to make sure that she really looks into the matter, we will have various penalties put into place in case the husband actually does show up. And so that's what we've been discussing for the last couple of recordings, some of these penalties. That's all with regards to the first half of the Mishnah. The second half of the Mishnah, or at least the second case of the Mishnah, says what happens if you have two witnesses. What happens if you have two witnesses who said the husband died? Now that is what's necessary, and now it's fulfilled on a biblical level as well. And so Rabbi Shimon says that if there are two witnesses, so then and that the husband died, she goes ahead and she marries somebody else. The husband now returns. She's allowed to, says Rabbi Shimon, that she's allowed to remain with her original husband. There's there's nothing wrong there. We wouldn't view it as... as uh, Committing adultery, when uh, if she commits adultery, so then she's not allowed to stay married to her original husband. That's the way, that's that's the halacha, that's the Jewish law. But in this case where uh, essentially the Gemara is going to explain the logic behind this is that what else could she have done? There's nothing else for her to do. She listened to exactly, not just what the rabbi said, she listened also to what the Torah says explicitly. Rely on two witnesses. She relied on those two witnesses. So what exactly would be the problem? Uh, and so that's the position of Rabbi Shimon. Now, in the Mishnah itself, there's nobody who argues. Nobody really argues in the Mishnah itself. But we will see that uh, perhaps there's definitely room uh, to argue this. And uh, in fact, the law at the end of the day, even though this is not mentioned in this recording, uh, the law at the end of the day is really that she cannot uh, remain married, uh, which is something that we'll get to uh, perhaps in the next recording, that she's really, in the end of the day, She's not allowed to remain married to her first husband, even if there are two witnesses, um, as we will discuss in the next recording. But before we get there, the simple explanation, which is the explanation of the Mishnah, which is Rabbi Shimon, is that she is allowed to return to back to her first husband because what else could she have done? She did everything that she could do. And so therefore it wouldn't be viewed as adultery. So says the Gemara, Amrav Hun Amrav. Rav says, this position of Rabbi Shimon is the halacha. This is the law that if there are two witnesses who say the husband died, even if the husband returns after she got married to somebody else, she's allowed to go back to her first husband. So Amr Le Rav Nachman. So we have a few objections to what Rav said. The first objection to what Rav said is not the law, but the way Rav said it. Rav Nachman said, Ganuvi, Ganuvi, Lamalach. Why are you stealing? In the sense of, why don't you say the one who actually said this law. Why are you just saying that this is the law? Say this in the name of Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon is the one in our Mishnah who said this law. Say the law follows Rabbi Shimon. If you follow this law of Rabbi Shimon, say that the law is like Rabbi Shimon. Just say that. You should say that you follow the position of Rabbi Shimon. Why do you have to say that this statement is the law? Say that we follow we follow Rabbi Shimon. If you're going to tell me, you know what, Rabbi Shimon said a few other statements in our Mishnah. He also discussed some of the cases of what happens if there's only one witness who said that the husband died. Then some of the penalties don't apply. That's something that we discussed in the last recording. 
So Rabbi Shimon had multiple statements. So if we just say that the law is like Rabbi Shimon, you might think that Rav is saying that the law is like Rabbi Shimon in all of these cases, and that's not true. So then, fine, so then at least say the law is like Rabbi Shimon in this last statement of Rabbi Shimon. In the statement of Rabbi Shimon, where Rabbi Shimon says that if there are two witnesses... And that said that the husband died and she marries somebody else, then the husband comes back, she's allowed to stay with her original husband. Uh, why can't why can't Rav just say that the law is like Rav Shimon in this last case? So the Gemara answers Kasha, you know what? That's really it's a good question. It's a strong question. Why didn't Rav say this? In fact, we find this in multiple places that there's a great value in quoting your sources and not just uh, claiming that it's your own idea uh, and that it's uh, your own uh, your own thought and your own material, but really to say something Bishim Omro in the name of the person who originally said it, and the Talmud even says it may be Olam, it brings uh, the redemption to the world by by having the humility uh, to quote in the name of somebody else, and not just the humility in quoting in the name of somebody else, but also showing the misora, the transmission of ideas. And by uh, by showing the transmission of ideas by quoting uh, someone prior to who has said the same idea. And it shows the chain of history, the chain of thought, of Jewish thought. And so uh, it's very much necessary to quote the original person, which is why we find oftentimes in the Gemara, in the Talmud, we have it all the time where, I, I run through it very quickly, but we have it all the time that this rabbi said it in the name of this rabbi, and who is the son of this person, who said it in the name of this person. Why do we have to have all of that? Just uh, say what they say. Why do we need all that? Because it's really coming to highlight the Misora, the tradition that we have, and the chain which we've created and how it's not just something which is made up, but it's something which has been passed along from generation to generation, preciously uh, preserved uh, so that we have the ultimate truth. And so it's, it's so important to quote in the name of, uh, of the person that you're quoting from. That is what Rav Nachman said. Now comes Rav Sheshis. I'm Rav Sheshis. Rav Sheshis says, he's not arguing uh, Rav Nachman's point, but he says that to say that this is the law is not so simple. Why? Not because he disagrees with the law, but for a different reason. He says, Rav must have been falling asleep when he said this statement to say, we, this is the law. He must have been falling asleep. And, and some of the commentators, they point out this is not an insult to Rav, but it's really raising Rav. This is really showing how Rav is so great, it's impossible that he could have said such a statement. Because he's so great. It's impossible that he said this with, when he was so aware and so clear. Why? Why could he not have made such a statement? His first claim, says Roshetius, is that I don't understand. There's nobody who argues. Are you telling me that somebody actually argues on Rabbi Shimon? Rabbi Shimon says she's allowed to marry the first husband. Does anybody say that it's actually not allowed? Does anybody actually say that, you know what? She listened to what the Torah exactly said. She's relying on two witnesses here. Happens to be those two witnesses were wrong. The husband was alive the whole time. The husband returns. We're going to tell you this was a case of an ones. This was a case of where it was totally against, uh, under duress, against her will. She had, she had no idea that her husband was, was alive. So you're going to tell me that she can't return to her husband? Nobody argues this. You don't have to tell me the law is like this. When you tell me the law is like this, it implies that there are those who argue. Nobody argues in this case. So Rav cannot have said this. And so that's his first reason. Proof based on this uh, logical argument to say that nobody argues. Now, the Gemara in the next recording will return back to this idea and question this idea. Is it really true? Just because, uh, you know, is it really true that we don't apply this principle? 
uh, maybe we, we would say that even though there's nothing that she could do, uh, maybe she still is forbidden to marry her, her first husband. That is, uh, that is going to be debated in the, next, in the next recording. But the rest of this recording will really focus on his second claim. His second claim is not just from a logical perspective. His first claim is from a logical perspective. It doesn't make sense to say that she cannot marry her, stay married to her first husband. This second argument is that I can even have proof to you that the, the, the other opinion, other than Rib Shimon, also agrees that, um, that she could go back to her first husband, that she's allowed to go back to her first husband. What's the proof? Vaotanya, because we have the following brisa, which says as follows. Kol arayas shebetorah ein trichos heimenu get it says that any form of arayos, any form of erva, uh, of, uh, of a forbidden relationship, um, let's say uh, incest or any, any form of a forbidden relationship, adultery, it doesn't require a divorce document if they have a certain relationship. It doesn't require a divorce document, except for one case. What's that one case? That one case is our case where she gets married based on one witness. If it's based on one witness, so then she requires a divorce document. Alpi. So why? Because you're relying, that's our Mishnah. That's what our Mishnah says, that you rely on one witness. And then the Bezin says that even though in general we don't rely on one witness, you could get married, but there's certain penalties that occur, such as the fact that you require a divorce document. Even though halakhically you were never really married to the second husband because the first husband was always alive, but we still require a divorce document. And that's what this Bryce is saying. But the Bryce continues and it says, we, we make the following uh, deduction that Api Bezin Gita, Api Lo Gita. Specifically, when there's one witness and it's based on the court allowing her to get married, we require a divorce document. If it's based on two witnesses, we do not require a divorce document from the second husband. It's not required. And if we don't require a divorce document from the second husband, and we do if there's just one witness, so then we also allow her to get mar- to stay married to the first husband. It seems to be there's a connection between the two. We don't require a divorce document from the second husband. And also, she's allowed to remain married to her first husband. And so we see... She's allowed to remain married to her first husband. That's what the Brysa says. Now the question is, who's the author of this Brysa? Who is the author of this Brysa? The Gemara says it cannot be Rib Shimon. It must be somebody else other than Rib Shimon. Why? Because the Gemara explains as follows. It must be somebody else. Why can't it be Rib Shimon? Right now it fits exactly with Rib Shimon, but why can't it be him? Money. According to Rabbi Shimon, the Gemara now wants to make the following claim. According to Rabbi Shimon, even if there's just one witness, even if there's just one witness who said the husband died and then she marries somebody else and then, um, and then the husband appears, Rabbi Shimon is of the opinion against our Mishnah that you, Rabbi Shimon seems to hold that we do not require a divorce document even in that case from the second husband. It's not required. You don't need a divorce document. How do we know that this is the position of Rabbi Shimon? It's not found in our Mishnah. And it definitely is the position of our mission. It definitely is the position of this Brisa that we just quoted, because the following proof: Omer, Asu Kizadon Ish Isha, Ish Isha Shimon says that when we have the Bezdin, the court announced that based on one witness she's allowed to go ahead and get married, we view that. As though she's, and then the husband comes back. Well, she, she she was supposed to look into the matter on her own. She's, she doesn't seem like she did such a great job at that. And so therefore we say it's as if she intentionally committed adultery. It's like she intentionally committed adultery. If there are two witnesses, it was by accident. Everything was by accident. But in the end of the day, it was based on adultery. 
the implication that we're having right now is that the fact that he compares it to adultery, purely like adultery, and not like a new marriage, why does he do that? It seems, it seems as though the reason why he does this is to say, we don't require a divorce document from the second husband. It wasn't really the second husband. She was married to the first husband the whole time, whether it's based on one witness or two witnesses that says that the husband died. In the end of the day, the husband came back. We don't require any divorce document, even from the second husband, against our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said, based on a penalty, uh, perhaps also based on the concern that it looks like they're married, uh, that uh, we require a divorce document from the second husband. But he says, no, you don't require, he compares it all to adultery. By adultery, you do not require, they were never married. She, she committed adultery with somebody else. They were never married. And we for sure don't require a divorce document in that case. This case also, it seems to imply from Shimon that we don't require a divorce document. That goes against the Brysa that we just quoted. The Brysa that we just quoted said that there's only one case that requires a divorce document in a case of forbidden relationships. Uh, uh, and that's the case here where she gets married based on one witness. And we just said that implies that there's two witnesses. She doesn't require a divorce document and she's allowed to remain with her first husband. So, Who's the author of that brisa? It cannot be Rib Shimon. Rib Shimon doesn't even require a divorce document when there's one witness. It must be others. It must be others. And those others also seem to hold that she's allowed to stay married to her first husband when there are two witnesses. Because the brisa only said when there's one witness, you need a divorce document. When there's two witnesses, you don't need a divorce document. And you can stay married to your first husband. So that seems to imply that even those who disagree with Rib Shimon they are also of the opinion in the end of the day, they still also agree that if there are two witnesses, you're allowed to remain with your original husband. So Rupeshesh is here from his first question is coming from a logical argument. His second question is coming from the proof. We have a Brisa. We don't know who the author of the Brisa is. It can't be Rup Shimon because Rup Shimon says you never need a divorce document. It must be somebody else. And this other person or, the, or group of people, they seem to hold, they agree in the end of the day that if there are two witnesses, she's allowed to remain with her first husband. So the Gemara to this question will have, I believe, four different... With regards to the second question, not the logical argument, but with regards to the second question, we'll try to prove in four different ways. Three of the ways, they'll say, no, Rabbi Shimon didn't really mean what we thought he meant. Really, he also requires a divorce document, and he could also be the author of this brisa. It's not somebody else. And so that's, that's going to be the, the, the answer for three of the answers. And one of the answers is going to say that, no, even if you want to say that it's those who argue on Rabbi Shimon... Uh, we'll see how the how the Gemara explains the Brisa, if even if it's somebody else other than Rub Shimon. But essentially, the structure of the Gemara is now basically we have a Brisa which says that if there's one witness, so then she can't stay married. She has to get divorced. Then from the second husband, she can't stay married to the first husband. If there are two witnesses, she could stay married to the to the first husband. Uh, and the Gemara says it can't be the position of Rub Shimon because Rub Shimon holds you never need a divorce document, seemingly based on a different statement which he said. So it must be other people, and we see that those other people, they agree that if there are two witnesses that uh, that said that the husband died, she is allowed to remain with her first husband once the husband comes back. So, so how, do you, how do you reject this idea that of Rav Sheshis? So the Gemara, answer number one of the Gemara. The Gemara says as follows. Le'olam Rabbi Shimonhi. Really, the... The Brisa is Reb Shimon. Oh, Reb Shimon said that it seems to imply that we equated to adultery and you don't need a divorce document. It's not true. When Reb Shimon said, this is what Reb Shimon really meant to say. Really, Reb Shimon was trying to say as follows. 
When there's one witness who said the husband died, then she marries somebody else. It's like she has intention to get married when there's one witness, and she really has intention to get married. Now that she's married and the husband comes back, we require a divorce document, not because they're actually married, but we view it as though they had intention to get married, and you, re- you do require a divorce document even according to Rabbi Shimon. When there are two witnesses that said that the husband died, so then we don't view it as though they had intended to get married, they just intended to have uh, a non-marital relationship, um, and therefore we do not require a divorce document when there are two witnesses. But the point is, the reason why we're saying this is to say that Rabbi Shimon really, in the end of the day, he holds like our Mishnah. You do require a divorce document in the case of one witness. And so the Brysa could really be the author of the Brysa, really could be Rub Shimon. So we can't prove anything that there are others who hold like Rub Shimon. No, the Brysa itself is Rub Shimon. We require a divorce document when there's one witness. Okay, that is answer number one. Answer number two, Rav Ashi Amar. Rav Ashi says, Le'inyan isura ketani v'hachik amar asu be'ezden baras an kezad an be'ish be'isha. Rav Ashi basically says that when Rav Shimon said that we really, really, it's not, we compare when there's one witness, we compare it to intentionally committing adultery. When there are two witnesses, we say it's like it's accidentally committing adultery and that has major significant ramifications. When there's one witness, you're not allowed to stay married to your first husband because it was intentional or at least we view it as though it was intentional because she should have done more to look into the matter. When there are two witnesses, we say it's unintentional and she could stay married. And that's true. That's the position of Rabbi Shimon, which is exactly what he said in our Mishnah. But he wasn't ever intending to discuss whether you need a divorce document from the second husband. That wasn't his discussion. That's not nothing. That he, he wasn't even talking about that. He, wasn't, he was only discussing whether or not you're allowed to remain married to your first husband. He wasn't discussing whether you need a divorce document from the second husband. And so therefore, once we say that, and Rabbi Shimon really holds, you need a divorce document from your second husband. So then he can fit within the Brysa that we originally quoted. We had this whole proof that Brysa seems to be going against Rabbi Shimon, yet the Brysa also holds that the, when there's two witnesses, you can return back to your first husband. No, that is Rabbi Shimon. That was the position of Rabbi Shimon, because Rabbi Shimon, in the end of the day, really holds that you need a divorce document from the second husband. Answer number three. Ravina Amar, turning the page to 91A, 91B, sorry. Ravina Amar, in Karban Kitani. When Rabbi Shimon said his statement about comparing uh, the two witnesses to one witness, that had, that had not, only to do with bringing sacrifices. Also based in Baharas and Kazad and Ishbi Isha, Velo Maisi Korban, Api Edim, Korban. He says essentially when there's one, all he was saying was that when there's one witness, so therefore she's allowed to get married based on the courts. If it's based on the courts that she's allowed to get married, and the courts made a mistake, so then she doesn't have to bring a sacrifice. It's like if somebody does something intentionally, they can intentionally commit a sin. No sacrifice. You only bring a sacrifice, a sin offering, if you did it by accident. But if there's two witnesses, so then that was clearly by accident, not based on the court. So then she does have to bring a sacrifice. It's like she, it's like she committed adultery by accident. And so therefore she would have to bring a sacrifice. That's all Rabbi Shimon was saying. He wasn't discussing anything about a divorce document. All he was discussing was about whether or not you bring a sacrifice. One witness, you do not bring a sacrifice because that's based on the court. Two witnesses, it's like an accident. And then you would have to bring a sacrifice. And so the same idea. Rabbi Shimon really wasn't discussing a divorce really, document. Really, you do need a divorce document when you have one witness from the second husband. And so therefore the Brysa, the original Brysa that we quoted, could in fact be like Rabbi Shimon. Finally, the last answer. Really, 
You want to tell me that this original Bryce that we quoted, that Rav Shesh just quoted, is not like Rav Shimon. Fine. He's not like Rav Shimon. But it's like others. But really, we have to read the Bryce as follows. It says that in all... What did the original Bryce say? Just to review. In all cases of forbidden relationships, you do not require a divorce document. If she committed adultery, if it was incest, you don't require a divorce document. Except for the following case. And the way you have to read it is that it's really referring to two different cases. Except for the case of adultery, meaning, what is the case of adultery that we're talking about? Specifically, if there are two witnesses. If there are two witnesses, so then there's this other opinion <coughs> that we can claim that says, if there are two witnesses, even if there are two witnesses that say that the husband died, it's still, you, you require a divorce document and you cannot, get, you cannot stay married uh, to the... To, to the first husband, but the point is that you do require you do require a divorce document from the second husband, and you cannot remain married to the first husband. And also, if there's one witness, also if there's one witness, same same ruling, one and two witnesses, they're exactly the same. And that's how you have to read it. You have to sort of add an and, make it into two cases. And now we have we have an opinion. In the end of the day, if you take this approach, not that we necessarily take this approach, but we have an opinion that says that even by two witnesses. Uh, they could argue in Rav Shimon and say that it's forbidden to uh, stay married to the first husband. And that's how you would read it. Essentially what the Gemara was doing, what we've been doing for the past 10 minutes, was reject Rav Shesh's second question. His second question was based on who is the author of this b'risa. So either the author is like Rav Shimon, or if you could take the approach that the author is not like Rav Shimon, but we read it slightly differently, we have to add a, a vav, add an and, uh, to read the b'risa slightly different, differently to say that according to this opinion, maybe... To return back to the second husband, uh, to the first husband is really not allowed, even if there are two witnesses. Well, we'll discuss in the next recording, on the next, uh, in the next umbud, on the next page here, uh, what we will discuss is uh, his, first, his first question, the logical argument, and so we'll take time to discuss that in the next recording.